Welcome back to episode 65 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. In this episode, we're looking at the January transfers. Welcome back to the FBL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FBL Draft game. My name is Mitch and in this episode I'll be attempting to evaluate the January transfer window moves and highlight the ones that really matter for your draft teams. I think the transfer window went largely as expected. There were few if any blockbuster moves and there were more outs than ins from the majority of clubs. If you're a neutral who enjoys watching the Premier League it felt like a bit of a zero-sum game with plenty of Deadwood getting passed around. And the Kingdom of Newcastle United came out as the biggest spenders in Europe. I won't be covering every single in and out from the transfer window because most of them, or a lot of them certainly, are irrelevant. But I'll be highlighting most of the key names, or certainly the names that were getting quite a lot of press on transfer deadline day. And letting you know whether they're ones that you should be looking at or forgetting. So let's get into it. So for starters, I still think the the most attractive player that's come into the Premier League in this window is Philippe Coutinho, who obviously came in uh, earlier in the window and I've already talked about on previous pods. So uh, I'm not going to really mention him again here, but I think he does remain the best pickup if he happens to be available still in your league. Likewise, Luca Dina, who went to Villa from Everton, already mentioned again, does look to be uh, performing slightly better than I anticipated and uh, looks a little bit more like his former self. But again, I'm not going to get into too much detail on him in this episode. So let's look at Burnley's uh, one and only signing, which is Weghurst, who is a 12 million signing from Wolfsburg, who is basically Chris Wood Mark II. Guaranteed starter because who else is there? And with the £12 million price tag, that's a big signing for Burnley, which they can comfortably pay with the money that they got from Chris Wood with some money to spend. He's had decent Bundesliga seasons over the past few years and has a better goal scoring record than Chris Wood, albeit against Bundesliga opposition. I think he is one of the more attractive new arrivals for draft FPL, especially if your team is lacking a starting striker somewhere. I'm fairly convinced he doesn't have the firepower alone to keep Burnley in the Premier League, but you have to assume that uh, Dyke will set them up to play to all of his six foot six strengths, and we'll be hoping there is a partnership that can blossom between him and Cornet. The supporting cast still looks fundamentally championship caliber, and they need to keep more clean sheets if they're going to have any chance of staying up. One of the more glitzy signings towards the end of the window was Louis Diaz, a £38 million signing from Porto to Liverpool. Uh, it did look as though Spurs might have got him at the end, but uh, I think the club that have been scouting him for some time decided that they weren't going to let that happen, and fair enough. Seems a natural successor to uh, Mane, assuming he's not going to be there forever. However, barring injury, it's difficult to see him dethroning Mane anytime soon this season. Liverpool still have plenty of other matches to play in the Champions League and in domestic cups. Um, so he does have plenty of time to get on the pitch. And with a bit of substitute appearances and rotation, we'll, we'll get a decent look at him. I'm just not sure how much benefit it will be to draft managers in the short term. On a given week, if you knew he was starting, either due to injuries, suspension or some comments made in a press conference, then he'd 100% be someone you'd want in in a similar way to any of the fringe Manchester City attackers. If you can guarantee they start, then they're worth having. But for most weeks, you'll be probably left a man short. 
More of one to sweat over when plotting next season's draft rankings, but I'm sure he'll have a lot of suitors in this waiver window. Let's move on to Brentford uh, and talk about Christian Eriksen. What a joy it is to see that he's going to be playing Premier League football again. I think that match, uh, that Denmark game against Finland in the Euros, uh, seeing him go down like that, it's one of those moments that I think I'll always remember where I was, what I was doing at the time. Probably one of the, if not probably the darkest uh, moment I've had actually watching live football. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the news came out relatively quickly that he would be okay just from a a general life point of view but I don't think any of us expected to see him back on a football pitch but um, clearly the uh, the device that he has uh, is going to allow him to safely compete and I'm sure Brentford will have done plenty of due diligence from from uh, that regard and if they're able to get some decent playing time out of him then they've they've really got themselves uh, a cracking player uh, one with the skill to uh, to carry plenty of teams through in their position. From an FPL perspective, I'd love to have him in my squad for just, just for sentimental reasons, but I don't think he's going to be a regular starter just yet. Possibly won't ever be a regular starter again, despite everything that I just said. His minutes, I'm sure, will be meticulously managed, and I doubt we'll see him play many full 90-minute matches soon. And there'll be plenty of early subs uh, and appearances off the bench. When he's on the pitch, he'll very likely cover all of their um, non-penalty set pieces. Um, He is absolute quality. And if Brentford can get even half the output he uh, put out for Spurs, he'll be one of their top performers. Again, probably slightly early to pick him up unless you fancy him in a much larger, more competitive league. Um, But for others, might just have to let this situation play out and develop a little bit more. Just while we're on the subject of Brentford, um, I should also mention Losel, who was brought in earlier in the window and I haven't mentioned yet, but we've already seen him come straight into the Premier League team. And if you are looking for uh, a starting goalkeeper, he could be a decent option. It looks like he's going to be preferred over Fernandez for the duration of the season. Um, so yeah, just another option to mention there. Let's move on to Spurs then, who did manage to get a couple of signings in before the deadline shut. Uh, Paratici went back to raid former club Juventus um, and uh, brought in Kulusevski, a Swedish winger who's been loaned, but with pretty much an obligation to to buy him in the, in the medium term. I think he will probably be eased into the first team reasonably quickly. And I think with the departures of Ndombele, Lacalso, and Brian Hill leaving out on loan, he shouldn't have too much trouble to, uh, finding opportunities. He's not one I would rush to get in straight away unless I was in a reasonably big league with slim pickings. I still think that Lucas Moura and Bergwijn will be uh, preferred uh, ahead of him. He can play uh, in either of those wider forward positions um, or in a more kind of attacking midfield sense if our system allows for such a position. So, uh, yeah, just more one to keep an eye on for now. And the second signing was Bentanka, uh, another 16 million from Juventus. An upgrade sort of on Hoiberg, I guess is probably the best way to describe him. Probably has the odd assist in him too, but largely is there to enforce, pass, tackle and unlikely to become a very attractive FBL prospect. 
Let's have a look at Everton. They were very busy in the window. Earlier in the window, they brought in a couple of new fullbacks. They got Nathan Patterson from Rangers for 16 million, quite a young right back, probably seen as a long-term replacement for Coleman. Remains to be seen how quickly he'll get integrated into the 11, probably just one to watch for now. And then on the other side, they brought in Vitaly Mikolenko from Dinamo Kiev. Young left back who has already been in the Premier League, uh, starting 11 in that game week 22 match against Norwich. Far more um, of a realistic starter option than Patterson at the moment. He'll be another streaming defender and one to consider week to week, depending on Everton's fixtures. Then in midfield, uh, they brought in Deli Alley from Spurs and uh, Donny van der Beek from Man United on loan. I think with the arrival of Frank Lampard as the manager, um, Deli Alley, I'm sure, will be looking forward to, to working with him. And I'm sure Frank Lampard will hope that he can get the best out of Alley again um, by hopefully playing more to his strengths than any of our recent string of managers have. That's not to say Deli hasn't uh, disappointed in his performances when he has been on the pitch. But I certainly think um, the, the Deli Alley that we all remember as being peak Deli uh, in those kind of mid-Pochettino years when he was playing just off Harry Kane he hasn't really been given the opportunity to to reclaim that spot again, just mainly due to how we've set up in a in a systemic way. But he's gone. Um, I will miss him. I think he was one that um, Spurs were looking at as being one that could really forge uh, a massive dynasty at the club. But just, like I said, I think circumstances and a combination of 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 how he's played himself has meant that that hasn't quite played out. But I wish him well at Everton. Be interesting to see where he lines up and uh, how he fits in there. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of a new team, new manager bounce for him there. Um, and I wish him well. Whether you want to bring him into your draft teams, he's probably one that you can wait on for a bit longer. Then they brought in Van der Beek from Man United on loan. It's nice to see that he's going to finally get some time away from Old Trafford, which has basically become like a prison for him over the last year or so. Uh, I'm still um, interested to see how, how Lampard fits all of these names into a starting level. I'm not really convinced he can, so some decisions will have to be made, um, or at least the players' performances will have to make that decision for him. But at least he's got a chance to actually show what he can do on the pitch for the next few months. And then finally, um, earlier in the window, um, Everton brought in El Ghazi from Villa. This move now just just seems utterly pointless in the context of the transfer window as a whole. From a status point of view, Villa to Everton is a, is a sideways move, but it's hard to see him being used any more than he was previously. And with the other arrivals um, and the way that they could and probably should set up, this just seems like a small stepping stone for an inevitable move abroad in the summer. So let's take a look at the Royal Kingdom of Newcastle United. Um, biggest spenders in Europe, as I said at the top of the show, um, spent around 100 million, depending on the uh, reports of the fees that they've uh, spent. Obviously, Kieran Trippier, we've mentioned already on the pods, and he's already been thrown into the starting 11 for Newcastle. All the attacking upsides remain on set piece duty. Just remains to be seen how Newcastle's defence as a whole is able to uh, to do over the remainder of the season because it's been an absolute disaster so far this year. But as we talk about the next two arrivals, maybe that can change. So the first one is Target, who they've brought in on loan from Aston Villa. Not an inspiring signing by any means, but probably a very sensible one. And if Newcastle can start to show 
some of that defensive solidarity that's been missing, he could be one to consider. And then they've brought in Dan Byrne on a permanent fee around £15 million from Brighton. Again, another similarly, you know, uninspiring signing, but again, one that seems very sensible. Similar vibes, not much else to say. And then finally, their big money move was for Bruno Guimaraes, £35 million, which is pretty steep considering that could be uh, being offloaded in the championship next season. We'll slot straight into centre mid for Newcastle, but a similar prospect to... Uh, say, Ben Tanker for Spurs with with very little worth in FPL terms. And just a quick mention uh, of Julian Alvarez for City. He will be remaining at River Plate on loan until the summer. So if you were considering him, don't panic when you can't find him on the waiver list. So that's most of the key ins. Let's have a look at some of the key departures from the Premier League, uh, starting with Aubameyang who's left Arsenal and gone to Barcelona on a free move um, with apparently a decent uh, reduction in his wages, if reports are to be believed. Pretty amazing business for cash-strapped Barcelona, which just shows that despite all of those financial woes, that brand and wearing that shirt still has plenty of appeal. Um, and just shows how far he'd fallen at Arsenal that they were willing to let him go purely to save on the wages. The draft ramifications are that Lacazette's value it's high. Um, it's been high for a little while now, but there's now no looming spectre of Aubameyang waiting to take over again. And we've already seen a bit of Martinelli recently, um, and his position will also only be strengthened by the departure. Another player that Barcelona have mopped up is Ferran Torres, which had been in the offing for a while. He basically signed as soon as the window opened. Um, not a huge deal for FPL given he, he was out long-term injured anyway, so most engaged managers will have had him dropped for a while. Anthony Martial left United for Sevilla. Again, not hugely disruptive for FPL with his one goal this season from just a handful of appearances. He had an average draft pick of around 60th overall when looking at the draft day data on fpldrafthub.com. But I think most of those managers will have moved him on a long time ago. And that's reflected by dwindling ownership below the 30% mark. And as mentioned already for Spurs, Ndombele has left for Lyon uh, initially on loan, but they've basically got an obligation to buy him. Um, so, so that's one expensive flop gone. And then Lo has done a similar move to Villarreal again on loan, but with uh, an option for them to buy him, which would be another pretty... I think it's fair to say another expensive flop that would be gone. Now, Brian Hill has also been loaned to Valencia. I don't think that's um, too much of a negative move. I think they just wanted him to get some football. And um, From the sounds of things, it does still sound like the uh, the club think he does have a future with them. From a draft perspective, it means that the guys that are left, um, Lucas Moura, Dennis Bergvine, and new boy Kulusevski, all have slightly better chances at getting on the pitch. So that's it for this episode. If I haven't mentioned somebody that you were looking at, I either don't think they're worthy of a mention or I've completely forgotten about them. I guess we'll never know. I had a quick look at the transactions tab before recording this and can see that all the new faces have been added to the game uh, and so can now be penciled in for your waiver claims ahead of game week 24. Speaking of game week 24, the waiver deadline will be on Monday evening following the FA Cup fixtures ahead of a midweek round of, of games spread across Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. 
That is a reduced game week with Chelsea and Brighton blanking due to Chelsea's involvement in the Club World Cup. So this is a waiver window in which your team may require some minor surgery. The Game Week 24 preview pod will probably come out Friday or Saturday ahead of that one with a tight turnaround then ahead of Game Week 25 next week. If you want to see how other managers around the world value these new additions that we've mentioned in this episode, then keep an eye on the global dashboard after the waivers have passed, which you can find at fbldrafthub.com for free, um, where you'll be able to see who the most popular picks were for that week in similar sized draft leagues. Make sure you're subscribed or following the podcast on whichever platform you use and leave us a review to help spread the joy and awareness. Not long to go now before the Premier League returns, although I've only just realised Game Week 23 hasn't technically finished yet, but who cares? Stay shook, everyone.